Welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this Friday afternoon for the second installment in our six part program on restorative justice. Uh, we thank the Boston Bar Association so much for hosting this. And by we, I mean my co-chairs, Georgia and Anuj. Uh, so thank you very much to them as well. Um, we're really thrilled to have this program and to have so many of you joining us and uh, very energized by this issue. And, you know, it's the beginning of a groundswell of change. If you haven't yet read uh, Judge Sorokin's opinion piece from The Globe, we encourage you to do that. And there will be a resource page on the BBA website coming up very soon. We hope you have seen uh, George's excellent eight minute introduction if you're not familiar with the re restorative justice and the first program um, with Professor Maisie Rothstein and Janet Connors. It was fabulous. And we are now very, very excited about our second program. We are privileged to have with us Kim Odom. Um, Pastor Odom was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts and attended Boston Public Schools. She has been married for nearly four decades to Ronald Odom and from their union were few, five beautiful children. She is an employee of the city of Boston and she serves as co-pastor at True Vine Church in Boston. We have her here today um, because she has gone through restorative justice processes as a person who was harmed. In 2007, on October 4th, on a beautiful fall night, her beautiful 13-year-old son, Stephen, was shot dead as part of gang violence. He was not in a gang. He was coming home from a basketball game and had gotten caught up um, mistakenly. Um, as it turns out, his killer was in turn killed by gunfire less than two weeks later. And Kim, Pastor Odom, will tell you more about all of that. In 2013, she worked with Operation Lipstick, great name, ladies involved in putting a stop to inner city killing as a field director. Um, she has done any number of other things and I uh, will I, wish, I hope you will all look to her biography for this. She and her family established the Steedham P. Onum Training Spot for Life Foundation in 2018. The Spot for Life advocates and supports 16 to 13 year olds and their families to ensure that young people are able to recognize, envision, and achieve their full potential. Her activism and advocacy are inspired by one of Reverend Martin Luther King's quotes. Quote, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Pastor Odom is a, a co-host of Virtual Devotional on Facebook Live, inspired by her husband. It's called Midday Manna, and she enjoys sharing lunch every day at noon. So with that, I'm going to turn it over um, to Pastor Odom, Kim Odom, to share her story and her thoughts. And as Daniel explained, then we will kick over and people can um, come out of chat and actually show themselves, turn on their mics and ask questions. And we would like this to be more of like a brown bag round table discussion. Um, so with that, I'm going to turn it over to you and mute myself. Thank you so very much. 
Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. And uh, good afternoon. And, and thank you for this opportunity to share my restorative justice perspective as a survivor of a victim of homicide. As I began to prepare my thoughts uh, to share today, I reflected on the topic restorative justice. And then I reflected on a saying, and you may have heard it. It's usually in the form of an acronym, but many people know it, that know it, know what it means when they see it. And it's WWJD. What would Jesus do? It's a phrase that's meant to be a reminder for Christians to attempt to act in a way that resembles Jesus's teachings in the gospels. In my preparation though, I asked WWSD, what would Stephen do? My husband and I have five children and Stephen was the youngest. He had a gentle and caring spirit loving the life of a 13 year old. And he spread that love to family, friends and community. And Stephen's spirit brings me here today. Stephen's life was taken by gun violence, shot and killed October 4th, 2007 at the age of 13 years old, just steps away from our home en route to make his curfew of 8 p.m. A firecracker sound that turned out to be gunshots with a basketball rolling down the street is a recurring memory I have that of that tragic evening. When I hear of tragedies like the recent shooting in Georgia, and unfortunately these tragedies happen too often, and then hear a comment that the shooter had a really bad day, which is what the sheriff in Georgia said about this shooter. I then questioned my restorative justice perspective. Is it worth it to believe in this? <clears throat> WWJD, WWSD. So I had to remind myself what remind well, what, what is restorative justice again? And so I Googled it. And yes, there are many uh, definitions and meanings, but this is what came up. Restorative justice is based on an understanding that crime is a violation of people and relationships. The principles of restorative justice are based on respect, compassion, and inclusivity. Restorative justice encourages meaningful engagement and accountability and provides an opportunity for healing, reparation, and reintegration. Restorative justice processes take various forms and may take place at all stages of the criminal justice system. Restorative justice acknowledges that those who do wrong need healing as well. My husband and I are pastors 
And while restorative justice aligns with what we teach and preach, I will make this confession. Our faith was injured. October 4th, 2007, our faith was injured. And I continue to walk, to learn, say that again, I continue to learn how to walk by faith again. I'm reminded by the words of one of my survivor mentors, Tina Cherry, no two survivors are alike and one size does not fit all. It also, it is also a reminder that we all don't accept this restorative justice concept in practice and that it's a complex process to come to. My introduction to restorative justice was by another survivor and Andrea named her. And she too was one who has been a mentor to me, Janet Connors. Some know her as Mama J. Janet once told me we had gone out to, this was early on in the process and we had gone out to Victoria's Diner cause I just needed to, to talk. And uh, Janet said to me, Kim, we may not be able to bring our sons back but we can bring them forward. Both Tina and Janet were instrumental in my restorative justice and victim offender dialogue experience with the young man who provided the gun that was used in taking Stephen's life and the annual restorative justice responsibility retreat held at MCI Norfolk Prison. Now the victim offender dialogue uh, is something that I participated in. It is by, it is uh, a nonprofit uh, a, a gentleman by the name of John Wilson. He has a nonprofit called Just Alternatives. And I had a desire to, um, to talk to the person who had uh, taken, who had provided the gun that took Stephen's life. So it was a, a year, the, the person had to agree and they did. And it was a year's process uh, as I prepared to have that conversation. And then with the restorative justice responsibility retreat that is held at MCI Norfolk Prison, um, it was a, it's an annual event and I participated in that. Uh, I believe it was four or five years. Sometimes the years get away from you. So. Uh, forgive me if I, I say four years or five or more, more than I did and I get fact checked on that. But um, it was about four or five years that I participated in the, the restorative justice responsibility retreat at MCI Norfolk Prison. In the aftermath of Stephen's murder, I was on a quest for answers. Who did it and why? 
And uh, while I certainly wanted the person who harmed my child and by way of that harmed me, my husband, my other children, our extended family and our community. I wanted them to be held accountable and I was willing to hold them in their humanity. Oftentimes we label people as monsters and animals when they've done something as horrific as taking another person's life. Not in self-defense, but in deliberate and in a deliberate and targeted manner. And while it is true that animals have a killer instinct, humans do as well. When a human being kills, they should be held accountable as a human. I remember a news reporter asked me a question. This was also early on in this process. They asked me a question about comments I had made on forgiveness for the person who allegedly murdered Stephen and the person who provided the gun that ultimately resulted in Stephen's murder. I said, yes, I offer forgiveness. However, it's forgiveness and accountability. Now there are those that say forgiveness has nothing to do with restorative justice. I say, regardless of whether you think forgiveness is a component of restorative justice, the most important component of restorative justice, and maybe I should say to me, is accountability. Having been on this survivor journey for 13 years, soon to be 14, I've evolved in my perspective on accountability and who should be held accountable for the murder of my child. There's personal accountability and there's systemic accountability. Early on during our family's press conference, I asked then Governor Deval Patrick what he was doing to address the violence in our communities. And someone commented that that was grief talking. Hmm. But Governor Patrick, this is what he said. Mrs. Odom has the right to make a claim on her government. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing, <laughs> but I appreciated Governor Patrick for 
making that statement and in doing that, validate it. So while the, the other person dismissed my voice as that's just grief talking, Governor Patrick validated the voice of grief. <clears throat> Stephen was an eighth grade student at the James P. Timothy Middle School. And they had a peace curriculum program through the Lewis D. Brown Peace Institute. And the students kept peace journals. It was several months after Stephen's death that I was invited to the school to speak uh, for their Buddy Up for Peace event held during uh, Martin Luther King's um, birthday. And um, after speaking, I was pulled to the side and told that uh, the janitor had found uh, some journals in Stephen's locker and they were in the office, school office and uh, for me to uh, pick up. And I just was so appreciative that the janitor had the presence of mind not to throw these journals away. And uh, I got them and took them home and I didn't look at them right away. It was hard for me to look at them right away, but during the course, I believe, of the week after receiving them, I was missing Stephen's voice. And I went and got these journals. And I opened the journals up and I began to read some of what Stephen had penned in his journals. And there are two quotes that Stephen has in his journals that resonate for me. One is, it's a shame, he was talking about violence and in the community and how he was tired of seeing, you know, gangs and crime and in in, in this is, he's 13 years old and, and this is what he's observing in his surroundings. And I'm not realizing that my child is, this is what he's seeing, but this is what he wrote in his journal. And he makes, he says this, it's a shame someone gets shot and killed every day. And then evidently they watch this peace video. And he says, after seeing the peace film, I believe our community should come together, stop the violence and start peace. Stephen was the drummer for our church. And the drum beat 
of his heart still beats for me today. And it beats with these three questions. Questions that I asked over 13 years ago and I ask them now, who's doing what? How's it being done? How can I add value? Restorative justice for me is adding value. Thank you for your time and your attention. And with that, I'll give it back to Andrea. Thank you. Um, just going to give take a moment to everybody to just process and also for me to gather um, together. Um, thank you for sharing, Stephen. Thank you for sharing your story. I have so many questions to follow up, and I hope others do too. So with that, um, I hope Daniel will put Oh, there he is. Daniel just put in the chat how to go over to the other link. Uh, so Kim, please do that. And everybody else, please join us. You should be able to just connect that if you have any problem whatsoever. Um, you can email, um, I don't know, Daniel, you or is that, can you put an email address so that somebody can let you know? Yeah, so um, I will type my email in the chat and I will stay on um, this webinar session until everybody is over there. Um, oh, and wonderful. we hope to see you in the meeting. Thank you so very much.